you know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness. There's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton. The bye week is over for Big Blue. Giants are back on the practice field, getting ready for Monday night, prime time, their second in three weeks, against the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, JPP, they aren't exactly sprinting into this matchup. The Bucks aren't. Playing down in Washington, they were upset on Sunday. So two losses in a row. They sandwiched their bye week with a loss in New Orleans and then a loss in Landover to the Washington football team. So they come in at 6-3, and three, but maybe they're a little wounded a little bit. And we'll see what that means, whether or not the champion comes out swinging or... In the case of this team, maybe there are some flaws that the Giants can take advantage of. On today's show, Giants rookie outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari. Been very productive, very consistent, good against the run. Obviously, with five and a half sacks, the most for any rookie in the NFL. He's produced when he's gotten an opportunity. We had Quincy Roche on last week's show. Roche's strip sack ended the game against Wash against the Vegas Raiders. Ojolari has been consistent. He's been the Giants' best edge player. So was very much looking forward to having our interview with him this week. Hope you'll enjoy that one. And also, behind Frenemy Lines makes its return. Luke Easterling, the editor of the Bucks Wire and the Draft Wire part of the USA Today Network family. And Luke, we touched on a bunch of different things with Tampa Bay, what's gone wrong, how honest Bruce Arians has been in terms of assessing where the Bucks are, problems in the secondary, what's wrong with Tom Brady. Well, we talked it all with Luke. He dropped a lot of knowledge on us in that front. And also, Luke is a draft expert. He digs in all year and follows the draft. So I asked him to kind of give us the lay of the land as far as the Giants go. Right now, if the season ended today, they would have two picks in the top ten. Their own pick at six, and then the Bears pick at eight. What would they do? Do they go offensive line with both picks? Can they go offensive line and edge? Will they go another position Luke gave us the lowdown on a lot of the names to watch in that range, what he would do if he were the Giants. So I hope you enjoy that. As always, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. So I've talked to several to Aziz Ojalari several times this year, and he really hasn't been very revealing. But he's got a great backstory, a lot of interesting twists and turns in his career to this point. Expected a fantastic interview. Aziz delivered. So without further ado, here's Aziz Ojalari. All right, with me this week for, for our interview is Aziz Ojalari. Aziz, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, uh, no problem. Coming off the practice field, getting ready for Monday night. Uh, you know, it's not easy to fit in on a defense in the NFL with a bunch of veterans as a 21-year-old rookie. But you've had experience kind of stepping up when you're young. As a freshman, you were voted captain at Georgia. What do you think translates in your personality to be able to come in as a young guy, but also to kind of fit in, but but not be lost in the shadows? <laughs> I say just my work ethic, just the way I carry myself, just take everything serious just coming out here just trying to get better every day just leading leaning upon the vets just listening to them trying to just go the right way do everything that i'm supposed to do the right way you know just trying to get better every day you know just trying to come out here every day and get better really when i talked to people down in georgia the one thing they said was that you know you didn't lobby for votes but you also got the most votes from your teammates mm. that year as a captain what what does that speak to for for you? I mean, it, do you do you almost sense that you you earn a person's respect by oh, yeah. the way you act, really more so than what you say? Definitely, I say just by straight by action, man. You got to believe your actions. No one's gonna really believe words before you. You got to show them. You got to show them. Just so I just went out there. I showed them with my worth ethic. Everyone a lead by example type of guy. You know, just put it in every day, on time, never late. Just ready to work and you get after it. You know. You know, I, I did a little research and history on your your background and I thought this was great I know it's been written before but your grandfather was a Nigerian prince and then he became famous in his own right as an artist who toured the world what was that like growing up I'm sure you heard stories I know know it was when you're young you Mm -hmm. kind of remember stories but what are what are some of the stories you remember hearing about kind of being from royalty yeah it was tough I mean it's nice you know my grandfather Man, just all the things he done, you know, as a famous artist traveling the world. My mom was telling me she used to travel from country to country, just going all around, just with them. Man, it was just, it's just great. All the paintings and everything, just so, it's, it's lovely, man. I just, <laughs> it was great, man. It just, I miss him, but uh, it's all good, man. Do I you love guys him. have any any special paintings from him that that's home that you kind of cherish? Yeah, my mom has my mom has them all. She's not all of them, but she has good. She has a good amount. So, is there a favorite one them. when you were growing up? Uh, I like all of them. Really, they're all unique. They're different, so it's like different. So it's, it's pretty nice. They're all nice. Cool. Uh, I had seen somewhere that your mom passed on a lesson that she had learned: the idea of remember where you come from, no mm-hmm. matter what. What does that yeah. mean to you? Man, just always remember where you come from. You know, our parents from Nigeria. You know, so you know they've been through a lot. You know, so no matter what we are, just we got to remember where we come from. Remember where we started no matter what, and just always cherish it, just never forget, you know, always be blessed, just know that we're blessed and just never forget. You started playing football when you were nine, I I read, Mm -hmm. and you 
played a little running back and yeah. safety. They started you at safety. Yeah, safety. Uh-huh. So you going out here and challenging X in practice or what? <laughs> nah, man, that's the old days, not no more. <laughs> How did it's you end over. up on the front end of the defense when you first start? When you when, when you finally made that transition? Yeah, uh, they noticed I was like bigger than everybody out there, so it was like, come on, they got to move them up, move me up to linebacker. Next, you know. I was like, move me out to DN. I was just doing both. I was like, yeah, I like DN better. I ended up sticking with DN for the rest of my career. <laughs> like, did you did you like kind of the freelancing of of playing safety when you were younger? Yeah, or were you too young back then. Nah, I actually I actually liked it because it was just see ball hit ball back there for me. <laughs> That's what it told me. See ball go hit ball. Where the ball is go tackle him. It was, it, was, it was easy. It was fun. Really, it's cool. Now it's see quarterback hit quarterback. Yeah, now it's see quarterback hit quarterback. Yeah. Uh, what would Back. your high school coach at Marietta, Richard Morgan, told yeah. me that he shows the same video clip from your career every yeah. season. Did you hear that story? Yeah, I heard you remember it. Remember that? Uh-huh. And what what do you remember about that play? Why why does he play that over and over again? Yeah, so it was a play. We were playing West Trinity. I was at defensive end. It was right before uh, halftime. We was, well, I think the game was tied or we was down. Uh, it was a momentum swing, really. They had the ball. The running back bust up through the middle. I ran upfield. He bust up through the middle, and I just turned the jets on and just hawked him down right before he was about to score. I passed up linebackers, D-linemen, <laughs> safeties, corners. I passed everyone up when I made the tackle. He's just showing that. Look at this guy from defensive man position. He's bigger than everyone. He passed him up to go make the play. Like, his effort is what matters, right? You're not going to play if you don't give no effort on this team. So, I guess that's what he's trying to tell him. Yep. He, he actually <laughs> said after the fact, he said, if you're going to play here, that's what we want from you as a player. So, yeah. That's pretty cool here, Coach. Yeah, it is. Right? Definitely. It is. Uh, what would you consider your best moment in high school or most memorable? Best moment? Uh, I say – my senior year team when we we beat Westlake in the second round of the playoffs. Okay. I said, yeah, that's what that's about fine. that game? What I mean, I had like two sacks, strip sack, crazy. I mean, we beat them. It was a great, great atmosphere in Westlake, Georgia. You know how they can do it, <laughs> and you know it's just it was just a great night that night. Really, awesome. got us rolling. Well, you you tore your ACL. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was that season. Right? Yeah, the third round, North Gwinnett. Playoffs, so yeah. shortly after that game. Yeah, shortly after. So I read that other players from other schools, whether they had committed to Georgia or just mm-hmm. knew you through the ranks, had come to the hospital. Yeah. One of those players was Justin Fields. Right? Yeah. But that, How did you know Justin? How did you get to know him? And what was that like? Do you guys still stay in touch? Yeah, we played him uh, in uh, middle school, actually. I've been going against Justin a while now. He was at Harrison Middle School. We played him when I was in Marietta, you know, so we've been just seeing each other at camps, Georgia, everything. Like, we just had a relationship the whole time, like, since camps, visiting in Georgia, just visiting camps, all that. So it was just like, and then we ended up going to Georgia, so it was just like a brotherly love he with us. So it was just my young, my brother, you know. <laughs> you know, it's a ways away, but, yeah. you know, first weekend in, in January. Oh, in January. Yeah. Facts. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier McKinney dropped him off. Yeah, man. <laughs> my dog. Um, so, so Fields, you guys still stay in touch? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, you know, he's just doing his thing out there, just trying to support him without what it is, you know, Chicago, my dog. Uh, so, you know, there's another Ojolari kind of making his run to the NFL. I want yeah. To know who, who's the best pass rusher <laughs> in the family? I mean, me, man. Me, I got it. <laughs> he, he coming up for sure. He definitely getting better. He. Yeah, I like the way he's playing, man. He's, just, he's getting better. 
So we talk. Is it hard for a guy who went to Georgia to sit there and root for a guy at LSU? <laughs> nah, it ain't because that's my blood. That's my brother, man. I love him so. No matter where he, at, I'm a root for him. You know. <laughs> Obviously, it's your younger brother yeah. at, at, playing at LSU. How many sacks he's got now? I think he has seven, six, one of those. So he's got you beat by a little bit. Yeah, he do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he do. Um, tell me about now. I'm a huge Marvel guy, and I oh, love Black Panther. Oh, okay. I, I want to know for you. You you made a, a necklace, the Black Panther. Yes. Yeah. What was that all about? <laughs> when did that idea come from? And what, uh -huh. what's the you know what's the genesis of it? Yeah, throughout college, they were calling me Vibranium Black Panther. You know, in college, my whole career since so I just the way I play physical like hard nose like making those physical hits like that's why ever since college agent been calling me black panther black panther vibranium vibranium <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's i took it in real with it like every time make a play i throw up the x right so it was just something that i like and it's cool really i love i love the movie too so were you are you a big marvel fan or are you just a black panther fan black panther fan really right. yeah <laughs> Uh, what what do you think? I mean, I know uh, I know. Yeah, you paid a little tribute to to Chadwick. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Is that I mean, does that kind of mean Jeez. something to you when you when you see things like that? Man, it's tough. I mean, he's sad, RP, but man, I just gotta. Man, it's tough, man. It's just going out there, play like Black Panther. Just just <laughs> honor to respect the man for real. Just gotta play like that. Now you with Rock Nation. Uh, what was it like meeting Jay-Z for the first time? Yeah, it was nice, man. It was cool, man. It was just, it's tough. Like, yeah, was struck? <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> What'd you say to him? You for sure, man. I don't remember. I told him, how you doing? What's up? Like, <laughs> it was just cool. Like, for real, meeting him. Tell me about meeting another megastar, Andrew Thomas. I'm a dog. <laughs> Brother, Wait, man. you remember the first time you guys met? Oh, uh, I think it was, it was in Cali when I, when I first moved in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, moved in together. Nah, he was, they was there already, and they had two two empty rooms. Me and Jamari, we moved in to a four by four by two. Okay. Yeah, that's when I first met him. So first when met I was moving in, yeah, that's when I first met Andrew. Um, you entered the draft early. Now, given this is a yeah. this is one of those questions, <laughs> you know, given how good Georgia's defense is right yeah. now, and the fact that you guys are number one in the country. Yeah. Ever any part of you watching those games going, man, what would I be doing on this defense had I not come to the NFL? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you know, I mean, I knew it was going to be a good defense with or without me either way. But, you know, it's just like just seeing them play is like, wow, yeah. I definitely miss being out there for sure. Sometimes when you look back and be like, yeah, I just miss playing in Stanford Stadium. Like the crowd, <laughs> the energy is just it's tough. But No you regrets. No, nah, no, for sure, no regrets for sure. <laughs> You lead all NFL rookies with five and a half sacks. You already tied tied a team record. Now I know from earlier this year you're not focused on numbers or anything mm. like that. But uh, you had told me that you weren't anywhere near the player that you could be. Mm. How much closer are you to that player from the last time we talked about a month ago? Man, I'm just trying to you know get better every day. You know, I'm just trying to you know improve little things day by day, no matter what it is. Because I know you're not gonna be the perfect player, but as you can improve and impact games day by day, just get better and, you know, just make those plays trying to help the team win, gotcha. you know. Uh, so I brought this up to Quincy Roche last week. He was on, and I think it applies to you as well. You you chased Patrick Mahomes around in his old building yeah. in, in prime time, and now you get to go chase Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champs around. Facts. Have you had that pinch yourself moment yet in the NFL that you kind of realize, you know what, I'm, I'm here and I belong here? Yeah, I mean, it's like every week is another person, is another team, 
another player you get to go against a great player so it's like every day every week is another challenge and opportunity i'm blessed to be here and compete you know the best of the best so i'm just taking advantage of every opportunity i get all right dude, we usually end the interview with a, a little two-minute drill some quick quick hitters first one right. would be fun for for a football let build the perfect pass rusher i asked quincy to do this too right. a few qualities from pass rushers that you study admire all who right. would you pick uh the perfect one yeah there's well, like traits yeah yes i say exactly. get off hands uh strength uh bad flexibility how about the traits from different guys that you different guys vaughn get off shoe uh hands I say strength, Khalil Mack. Hands, TJ Watt. Shaq Bear hands. <laughs> uh, who's it? Who got a mean counter? I say, who got a mean counter? Uh, there's a lot of pass rushers that I like. <laughs> you name the best of the best. So I appreciate that. Yeah, so if, you, if you have one musical artist of any era to do a private show for your family, yeah. who would it be? Uh, <laughs> it's tough. Uh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I probably go. I probably go. Uh, Burner Boy, okay. Nigerian artist. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, so here's the last one. I had some fun with this with the last couple of guys. If you were stranded on an island, which two teammates would you want with you, and why? Nah. Uh, <laughs> uh, stop. <laughs> You know, I definitely got to go with uh, Drew, Andrew, okay. for sure. And I'm going to go, <laughs> uh, well, I got to go Leo, man. Leo. Drew and Leo? Yeah, Drew and Leo. It's the second time Leo's been picked in yeah, three like, weeks. I, I already know you. Leo, Drew and Leo. <laughs> I would imagine Leo goes out and gets Yeah, Leo goes <laughs> Definitely. Aziz Ojolari, thank you so much for joining me, dealing with the planes overhead, the yeah. background noise. <laughs> but good luck on Monday. Good luck Appreciate the rest it. of the season. Thank you. So special thanks to Aziz Ojolari for joining me this week. Obviously, there's a lot in there, a lot of fun stuff, Nigerian royalty, and uh, Black Panther, five and a half sacks. I think Aziz is a good one, and I think the Giants are expecting big things in the second half, both from our last two guests, Quincy Roche last week and Aziz Ojolari this week. Next up is our behind front of me line segment, and Luke Easterling will join me. I hope you enjoy all the knowledge that he drops, both on the Bucks and the NFL draft. All right, now it's time for our behind front of me line segment, and I bring in a, an old friend, really the uh, AKA the Roger Goodell of our USA Today mock draft videos that I'm sure you guys have seen the last couple of years. It's Luke Easterling, the editor of the Draft Wire and, conveniently enough, the Bucks Wire. Luke, thanks for joining me on All In, and uh, it's been uh, a wild time a year for everyone in the NFL. We're not really sure what happens week to week. Glad you could join me and give me the lowdown on what's going on with the defending Super Bowl champions. Hey, it's my pleasure, Ari. Thanks for having me, man. So... We'll talk a little draft, too, because obviously Giants fans have gotten used to being in the draft conversation. Uh, so we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. But first off, you come out of the bye. The Bucks lose the game to the Saints. They go into the bye. Everyone's expecting 
that, you know, Tampa is going to be Tampa, whatever that means, against Washington, and they lose on Sunday. I've obviously follow you on Twitter. I see your interactions. What was your take coming out of that game, uh, and what did you see from from the Bucks beyond what uh, Bruce Arians saw, which certainly was not something that he enjoyed? Yeah, I think, you know, one. it's one thing to, to lose to the Saints on the road, and, you know, it's a packed house where, you know, last year you weren't dealing with a whole lot of fans on the road for most, if not all, of the season. Then you go in there, you're banged up, and, and you lose a game that you let get away at the end. Obviously, it was disappointing, but, you know, I think that the conversation coming out of that game was, you know, okay, well, we tweak a couple things here and there, and, and it's a one-score game. We can, you know, we can win that game moving forward. Not a big worry. we got the bye coming up. We'll get healthier. We got, you know, some beatable teams coming down after that to kind of build our confidence. I think that was kind of the vibe. It wasn't really, you know, sky is falling kind of situation. But then you go on the road against Washington, you know, honestly one of the worst teams in the league in a lot of respects, and you look worse. I I don't understand it. You know, all of the the tropes that we parroted all week about Brady coming out of the bye week and all of his success and the fact that he would not let that team, you know – make those mistakes again that they made during, you know, the first half of the season or against New Orleans and they would get it all fixed and locked in and all that. It all went down the toilet really fast, man. And and I think that's the most concerning things for Bucks fans is that, you know, the the Saints loss was it was a little easier to digest because you you thought that the bye week would allow you to do what you did last year at the bye week, which is fix the problems and then go on a big run that obviously ended in a Super Bowl. Just wasn't the case this time. Very disappointing, much more disappointing than the Saints game, I think. And so many different aspects of this game you can look at. How, how in the world does Tom Brady, I, you know, yeah, you don't have Gronk, you don't have AB, but you do still have Mike Evans. You do still have Chris Godwin. I know he was a little banged up, but, you know, how in the world does Tom Brady throw for only 220 against the, the dead last ranked secondary and pass defense in the league? He throws two interceptions in the first quarter that really put him behind the eight ball and, and kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. You know, the defense would get pressure. They got five sacks. It's a season high this season. But they gave up 10-plus third-down conversions and, and were putting Washington in so many third and shorts that it was really easy uh, for them to, to convert. And then with the game on the line, you have a 19-play drive that takes up literally the entire rest of the fourth quarter. That's a that's a, a pride thing. That's just not being able to, to will yourself to victory against an inferior opponent. So, you know, things going into the bye week weren't quite as dire. After that game, Bucks fans really do have some things to be worried about moving forward. You know, I, I mentioned you listen to Bruce Arians and his postgame news conference, and B.A. is never going to hold back. Uh, I wonder, psychologically from, you know, you always hear about the Super Bowl hangover, and look, it, it, nobody talked about it for the first two and a half months, or at least I didn't hear anyone talk about it. So it's completely unfair for me to bring it up now and say, well, it's the Super Bowl champs, you know, it's a long off season, that kind of thing. But I wonder from BA's perspective, he's very psychological. I mean, it's he pulls no punches, as I mentioned. Is there any part of this that it's just a different perspective when you're the hunted rather than being the hunter. Now people came after the Bucks last year, so that's not it's not like they went from the basement to the to the penthouse. Uh, but do you see any of that? Any of the kind of trying to find that psychological edge when you know you've kind of lived lived high off off the last couple months? 
Yeah, I think that's a tough thing to to say, oh, you know, I see them being this way or that way about it in practice or whatever. I think, honestly, the only way to judge that is by the results. And I think the results have told us so far over the last couple of weeks that this is definitely a team that that isn't playing with a sense of urgency and a sense of, of passion and intensity across the board. And that, that was one of the things that Bruce Arians pointed out uh, both Sunday and Monday after the game is that, you know, he, he basically singled out Devin White and, and literally said if everybody had played with the same passion and energy that that guy played with, 18 tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, you know, then we'd have been all right. And basically, you know, point blank said that, you know, he was asked if, if a bunch of players were missing that passion and intensity and didn't play with enough of it. And he said, totally. So, I mean, he's definitely, like you said, it's very, it's very intentional with Bruce Arians. It's very methodical. Everything he says, even the ones that kind of sound like it's off the cuff, it's very purposeful with him. And he is definitely trying to light a fire under his players right now. And, and I don't know if it's, you know, again, you can talk about guys that got big contracts, the guys, you know, everybody coming off that Super Bowl win. It's hard to, to not look at what's happened over the last two weeks and wonder if that's part of what's going on. I think there are other factors in play here. But, you know, this is a team that, again, it needs to find its footing really quickly because this is a very competitive conference. Um, they're very lucky in the fact that, you know, most of the other teams at the top have also had some losses the last couple of weeks. would have been really nice if they'd taken advantage of that and capitalized and, and created some distance for themselves. But the flip side of that coin is the fact that they still have everything in front of them. They still have an opportunity to right the ship and still honestly end up as the number one seed in the NFC if they can go on a strong run here. Now, I saw you you engage with some with some fans on Twitter, and I like to engage with fans as well. So it could always be a positive and a negative. But the idea that Todd Bowles all of a sudden forgot how to coach defensively is ridiculous. Uh, if there's ever a blueprint to show in this league that as great of a pass rush as you can build, as great of a front seven as you can build in this league, if you lose pieces in a secondary and the secondary starts not playing well and giving up holes, teams are going to beat you. It doesn't matter whether or not you're going against Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, or Daniel Jones, or Taylor Heineke. If you can't hold up in the secondary, this league is designed for teams to take you apart. Fair or unfair? Uh, completely fair, and I think that's exactly what we saw Sunday. And again, you can you know, talk about the pass rush all day long and talk about how they're not. I mean, like I said, they got home. They got five sacks. They they brought pressure in certain situations. But let's look at the, the Bucks in the defensive backfield. Safety is, is pretty healthy now. They've got Jordan Whitehead, Antoine Winfield Jr., Mike Edwards all healthy in that, and they rotate those guys a lot at safety. But at corner, they lose Sean Murphy Bunting in week one to a dislocated elbow. He's still on injured reserve. They're hope, hoping maybe he comes back for this game against the Giants on Monday. They lose Carlton Davis in the first half against New England in week four. He's still on injured reserve. He's been gone ever since that game. So there's your top two corners out, of, out, out for half to most of the season. Jamel Dean is their number three. He's missed a game and been banged up a little bit, but he's out there. Now, corner four is Richard Sherman. He injures his calf in pregame warm-ups, so you don't have him at the last minute also. So it's not like an right. you went into the game. Maybe you can promote somebody from the practice squad, bring somebody in. They actually just put Richard Robinson, who is probably their last corner, on injured reserve going into this game. In, I can't believe, remember if it was late in the first half or, or early in the second half, D. Delaney, who's their fifth corner. He suffers a concussion, so now he's out for the rest of that game. 
So you're literally playing the game with three healthy corners. You're playing with Jamel Dean on one side. You're playing with Ross Cockrell in the middle, uh, in the slot. And then you've got Pierre Desir on the outside, who was a guy that was on the practice squad, and they had to promote him due to injury issues. So they finished that game with three healthy corners. Wow. And again, you can have the best defensive front you want, best defensive front seven, and I would I would put the Bucks front seven up against anybody, Vita Vea, JPP, Shaq Barrett, uh, and Dominican Sue, and then you've got Levante David and Devin White at linebacker. I mean, I'd put those guys up against anybody. But, man, when you are missing corners one, two, four, five <laughs> – and seven, basically, on, on right. the secondary, like you said, it it can be a pitch-and-catch situation for the quarterback, and the pass rush just doesn't have time to do anything. The last thing I would ask on the defensive side, and then we can talk Brady, and then obviously I want to get to the draft. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley could be back on Monday. The Giants ran the ball very well against Las Vegas uh, before their bye. With Vita Vea, I know there's an injury situation. Whether or not he plays on Monday, I'm not sure. Sounded like a week-to-week thing. There was this idea coming into this season when they were healthy, you don't run on the Bucks. Now, I saw uh, Antonio Gibson had a pretty good game for Washington. Is this one of those things where the Giants coming out on Monday night, if they have Saquon? I mean, this offensive line has not uh, performed extremely well on the interior. Without Vea in there, is there cause for concern that teams might be able to run more successfully against Tampa than maybe they have in the past? Yeah, I think it's definitely a big concern. And honestly, even with Vea in the lineup, the Bucks have had a little bit of, you know, some intermittent struggles in that department this year. They go back to the two-game stretch they had against Philly and against Chicago. They gave up 100 yards in each of those games after going, I think, 27 or 29 straight games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. Um, and they gave up 100, I think, to Miles Sanders. Khalil Herbert had a big game. Even Not even David Montgomery. It wasn't even their starter. It was a rookie day three pick in Khalil Herbert that rushed for over 100 against the, against the Bucks in that game. So, you know, there's definitely – it feels like a weaker rush defense than we're used to seeing. And obviously, if you remove Vita Vea from that lineup, and I, I would be kind of – still early, but I would be surprised if he plays this – this week, I, I think the Bucks would probably like to, to preserve him long-term more for that. Right. Obviously, it's a huge win for the team that that wasn't a bigger injury. I, I think when we all saw it, and we saw the way Vita Vea himself reacted to that, that injury, he was very, very upset. I think he thought it was much more serious as well. So the fact that it's only a week-to-week thing is a huge, huge boost for the Bucks moving forward. But, yeah, if he's not in the lineup, it's not like the Bucks. I mean, have not been in this situation before, right? Last year, week five against Chicago was a very similar game, a game they should have won. They lose it on the road, and not only do they lose it, they lose Vita Vea to a broken leg for the rest of the regular season. He makes a, a kind of miraculous return to the NFC title game in the Super Bowl. But, you know, Todd Bowles, you mentioned him earlier, he did a really great job last year of, of doing the best anybody could have imagined at replacing a guy who's 6'5", 350 pounds, right. and runs faster than I do, and which is terrifying Like to think of a human being who can move that fast at that size. I mean, it's just ridiculous, but you know, moving him out of the lineup, you can do all the schematic things you want, but there's just only one Vita Vea maybe on the planet. So, you know, it's it's definitely going to hurt the Bucks' ability to plug up those holes in the interior. And, and again, a guy like Saquon, where his vision, his explosiveness, his ability to hit the hole in the right way, and just the playmaking, playmaking ability he brings to that position. If, they, if you don't have that big nose tackle in there to clog things up, a guy like Saquon can definitely make you pay. All right, last one on the box, then we'll get to the draft. Take me inside the building on 
Monday night. I know this fan base is getting a little antsy, but you know, it really wasn't that long ago that they held up the Vince Lombardi trophy in that building and, you know, the, the boat parade and, and everything else. Uh, if the Bucks are sluggish out of the gates on Monday, do you sense that this crowd, not that they're going to turn on them, but the idea that there will be a little restless come Monday night if the Giants hang around the way they did against Kansas City two weeks ago? Oh, absolutely. And I think, honestly, if it looks anything like the last time these two teams played last year, there's a very similar situation that the Bucks really should not have been allowed that game to get that close, right? And honestly, right. it was you know, some missed throws and some turnovers by, by Daniel Jones. I think he had a lot of missed opportunities that the Giants could have easily won that game. Um, but, yeah, I think if we see a, a very slow start, if we see some early three and outs or the, the turnovers that we saw in the first quarter from the Bucks, you know, listen, you, everybody knows in this league, right, it's, it's what have you done for me lately. And this team has done a lot of great things. But if they, if they struggle on national television with the bright lights and don't, you know, I'm, I'm a Tampa lifer. I've been here all my life. I go to sporting events all the time. We are well aware that there's going to be plenty of Giants fans in the crowd. Okay, it's going to be a sold-out game. It already is. But let's be honest. We know what it looks like when New York teams come to, to any Tampa sporting event. They're going to be well-represented. A, a lot of transplant people who live in this area who grew up rooting for those teams before Tampa Bay even had teams. So it's understandable that there's going to be a, a strong presence of, of Giants fans at this game. So it's definitely going to be an interesting element where on one side – if the Bucks come out strong, they can really get that crowd rallied behind them. If they come out sluggish, not only will their own fans be really frustrated and they'll lose that element of, of the home field advantage, but there are going to be plenty of Giants fans in the audience that are going to make their, their feelings known as well if they get up early. Yeah, well, the last time the Giants were there, they took over the building. It was Daniel Jones's coming out party. So Jones has probably had his best moment in the NFL and his worst moments in the NFL against the Bucks each of the last two years. So it's... Pretty crazy. Round three. We'll see how that goes. All right, let's talk about the draft a little bit. It's still early on my part, but I know you've been dug in. Uh, Giants right now, according to our friends at Tankathon, which I would have never expected. I wish I came up with the algorithm for that website. I can only imagine the hits from t- you know areas like Detroit and New York the last couple of years. But Giants are slated to, sit, to pick sixth and eighth. Uh, eighth from the Bears. So obviously that'll change. Give me a sense of what you're thinking. I mean, with the Giants, the questions always start and end with the offensive line. Uh, give me a couple names that the Giants might, the Giants fans might be looking at in that area right now. Obviously reserve the right to change uh, your mind and what's going on. But what are you thinking in terms of the top 10 right now and how it shakes out? Yeah, I don't know how thrilled Giants fans were with my last mock draft, but I had them spending both of those top ten picks on offensive linemen. Uh, and I just don't think it's something we should put past Dave Gettleman. I don't think he wouldn't do that. Um, but, you know, it's a strong offensive line class. Obviously, like you said, everything starts in the trenches, so I think you have to look there. And if you have two blue-chip players that you could reload that offensive line with two top ten talents right away, I, I definitely think it's something you could consider. Um, if they want to start there, I think, again, no shortage of prospects. I think Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, uh, Ikem Ekwanu from uh, North Carolina State, those are both guys that can play tackle or guard. Ekwanu was, a, I think, an all-conference pick at guard and tackle, so you know he can play both of those at a high level. Again, Kenyon Green, SEC guy, has played against some of the best talent, uh, best defensive fronts in the country. 
Um, I think the interesting guy is Tyler Linderbaum. You do, usually don't see a center considered in that top 10 range, but man, I, I would venture that he's been the best <clears throat> offensive lineman period this whole year. And I include Evan Neal, the left tackle from Alabama, who we all expect to be a top five pick in that conversation. I, I know that position is not usually valued in that way, but as a player, Tyler Linderbaum has been as dominant a blocker as anybody in the country so far this season. If they don't want to go that route, uh, say they want to go get you know an edge rusher. Unfortunately, I think they're obviously you're, you're not going to get your hands on Kayvon Thibodeau. You're probably not going to get your hands on Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan with the season he's having. Those guys could easily go one-two right now, I think. Um, so after that, you're thinking about you know Kingsley and Igbari from South Carolina. Maybe it's a little early for him. Drake Jackson from USC. I think those guys are probably more mid-first-round picks. Um, so then it becomes what, you know, are you, do you want another corner to pair with, uh, to pair with James Bradbury? Do you want to go, um, does Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU slip down that far after missing basically most of this season uh, due to injury? But even if he's off the board, you got some really interesting prospects. Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, uh, Kair Elam from Florida, uh, Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. A lot of top corners in this this class a lot of a lot of positions i like in this class is deep at wide receiver there's no jamar chase in this group but a lot of depth at that position later in the first round i love the corner class the offensive line class that i mentioned um i think that the the one guy i would mention i know they have a really strong interior defensive front but teams don't always draft purely for need in that range and i think especially if you have a team with two top 10 picks and maybe you feel like oh maybe i can make a luxury pick demarvin leal who's a defensive lineman from texas a&m He's, you know, an interior guy, but he's played some outside defensive end, but he's got that 6'4", almost 300-pound frame. I think he can do both. And a really versatile, disruptive guy like that would just make that defensive line that much better. Awesome. That is uh, that is quite a roundup. You threw a lot of names out there. I, I, I think one of the big questions for the Giants is who will be running the draft? Will, will Dave Gettleman <clears throat> return as general manager? Will they look to make some tweaks in the front office? Will Chris Pettit still be the director of college scouting? I, I think the Giants, whatever they've said publicly and privately, I think could be two different things. We'll see where they go from there. But again, awesome stuff from you, Luke. I really appreciate it on both fronts. Obviously, you can check Luke out uh, at both the draft wire and the Bucks wire. And uh, really good stuff. And We'll be talking soon, I'm sure. Hey, my pleasure, Art. Good time, man. Thanks a lot, Luke. Great stuff from Luke. Obviously, uh, the Giants are kind of caught in the middle right now. I know there's a large segment of the fan base that has already turned its attention to 2022. I do believe the Giants have an opportunity here. Now, I'm not expecting them to go down to Tampa and beat the Bucks, but the Bucks are vulnerable. Uh, they are. I, I mean, I, I think you look at the, the way they've lost. They lost to the Saints and they lost to Washington, both on the road. Well, guess what? The Giants beat the Saints on the road and they should have beaten Washington. So, look, you don't use the transitive property and say this team beat that team, this team beat that team. But it's not easy when you're the Super Bowl champs or you're the Super Bowl runner-up to come back the next year and kind of find that same motivation, that same gas in the tank, uh, and turn things around. So like Luke said, this is going to be a very interesting scene on Monday night. If Brady comes out and lights it up, well, then obviously the Giants are going to be behind the eight ball and it's it's going to be an uphill climb. 
But there are going to be a lot of Giants fans in that building in Raymond James Stadium. And I think what we saw two years ago when Daniel Jones went there and made his NFL starting debut, that was a tremendous game. Now, granted, Tom Brady wasn't there. This was, That was a different team. But last year when the Bucks came up here in primetime, the Giants played really well defensively against Brady. Gave him a lot of problems. It may have been Daniel Jones' wake-up call that he did not play well in terms of turning the ball over, two huge turnovers. But the Giants had an opportunity to win that game at the end, uh, or at least force overtime. And there was a controversial no-call on a a pass interference penalty in the end zone on a two-point conversion that the Giants, had they gotten that flag, would have had another opportunity to get in that end zone and tie the game. And who knows what happens when you're in overtime, you win the win the toss, and look what happened in New Orleans this year. The Giants go right down the field, score a touchdown, and win the game. So I think it'll be a competitive game. Typico has it as an 11.5-point game. The Giants are underdog by 11.5. You know what? I think they cover that spread. I think they are playing well enough defensively, especially on the back end, to hold their own. The big issue will be the offensive line, surprise, surprise, and whether or not they can run the football effectively. I do expect to see Saquon Barkley back. I'm not sure about Andrew Thomas. As of recording this podcast, Andrew Thomas is a bit of a long shot, I believe, for Monday. He does have an extra day. More will be revealed as they move on in practice, so we'll have a better idea on Thursday or Friday, so you make sure you follow all my coverage whether it's following along on Twitter at art underscore Stapleton or on NorthJersey.com. We'll have you covered there. We'll let you know what's going on heading into Monday night. But I think the Giants cover. I, I do. And I think they they give themselves an opportunity here. They need the Bucks to play poorly. I mean, let's be honest. They need Tom Brady to make mistakes that are not typical Tom Brady mistakes. But if somehow they can beat the Bucks, look at this schedule for the Giants. Now, I know the Eagles are playing well. The Giants have the Eagles twice over the last seven games. They go, to, they go to the Dolphins in Miami. Winnable game, regardless of what the Dolphins were able to do on Thursday night against the Ravens. They go to L.A. to face the Chargers. Chargers have kind of hit their skids, so... I'm sure Patrick Graham and his defense would love to go after Justin Herbert as well as he's played. That will be an interesting showdown. The Cowboys. It's always going to be an interesting game at MetLife with the Cowboys. Obviously, the Giants will be underdogs in that game. But maybe if they pick up a couple wins, they get that momentum. And who knows? You know, the Giants fell apart a little bit in that second half in Dallas. But they were also playing without Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Kenny Galladay in that second half. I mean, it was 10-10 when Jones got hurt, or right before Jones got hurt, and then Mike Glennon gets them in the end zone. So after that, they're at the Eagles, at the Bears in Chicago, and then home to close the season out January 9th against Washington. So there are winnable games on the schedule. Right now the Giants are a lot closer to the top overall pick, which that's kind of Detroit's to to lose right now, then they are a playoff spot. But a couple weeks here, and maybe the Giants turn things around. So appreciate the, show, the you guys listening this week. Uh, thank you to Aziz Ojolari, to Luke Easterling, to our great producer, Paul Wood, 
And again, as I say every week, it's great to be all in.